Thank you, choir. Please grab your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs chapter 27, I believe it is. We'll look there in just a minute. You know, during the month of uh, January, or the first three weeks of January, we've um, kind of been in this little progression of, of loving God, and we talked about the fact that we're to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then we talked about that, we fleshed that out. Through obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he said it a bunch. I mean, he said it like five times. So if we're going to love him, we got to obey him. And then last week we talked about kind of God's, and I didn't say it this way, but we really talked about God's part in the salvation process because we talked about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you and I to flesh out and live out our salvation but that's but there's God's part. But there's also another part of that equation. And in Philippians chapter 2, 13 and 14, Paul challenges the church at Philippi. He says, now I want you to obey me like you always have. And then he talks about, he says, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. And so I want you to imagine with me for a minute. You and I have this responsibility to love God. We have this obligation to love God. And then God has a part in it. And it is by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that he fills us, that he anoints us, and that he empowers us to live. But I also want you to think about there's another part to the equation. There is what we might call our part. We have a responsibility to work out, if you will, our salvation. So there, there's a responsibility for us to do that. And, and so I want to I talk to us this morning a little bit about one of the things that will help us do our part, uh, a very important thing. But I want you to just imagine with me for a minute. You know, let's just, if we flip the calendar back three or four weeks to the... Um, to the um, First of January, it might be that we made a New Year's resolution. Now, maybe, maybe like me, you've gotten old enough and wise enough to know there's really not much sense in making a New Year's resolution because it doesn't last for the year. But let's just suppose that we made a New Year's resolution, or perhaps we, uh, because we chose uh, the wisdom, we just decided that we decided this year that you know over the next month I'm going to lose 10 pounds or. Or between now and this amount of time, I'm going to do this. Or maybe that, you know, I've decided this year I'm going to um, be more faithful in my church attendance. Or, you know, I really sense there's a need in my life to, to really pray more. Uh, and so you've decided you're going to pray more. Or perhaps we even felt like, you know, I really don't invest enough of my life with God personally. And so I've decided that I'm going to spend more time with God personally. But in any of those scenarios, one of the, one of the keys to helping that happen is is the idea of accountability. You know, if I'm going to do better in life at what I want to do, if you're going to do better in life at what you want to do, one of the critical things that we need is we need accountability. For, for whatever reason, accountability just helps us do and accomplish the things that we want to do. As you know, and I, I haven't for uh, some weeks, but last year I did a good bit of running. In fact, I did a couple, I actually even did a couple marathons. And, and one of the things that I found out is oftentimes 
if you're going to commit to a goal, it's good to have some accountability in your life. It's good to have someone in your life to say, hey, why don't we run it? Why don't you join us at, at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, or whatever. It, it just helps to have accountability. And so I would submit to you this morning that if you are going to effectively live out your faith in Christ, if you're going to effectively love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you and I, if we're going to live a life of obedience, and even if we're going to be surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit, there needs to be some accountability in our life. And so I want to suggest to us this morning uh, just some principles about that because I believe for you to be the best that you can be, you need some accountability. And so uh, as we talked about, if you're over there in Proverbs, uh, I told you, what did I tell you? Chapter 27? Is that right? All right, let me see if I can get there because I was in Philippians. But chapter 27, just a simple verse. You've heard it, but it's wisdom. Listen to what King Solomon had to say. Verse 17, just one simple verse. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in these next few minutes that as we unpack this idea of relationships for a few minutes and we unpack the idea of accountability for a few minutes. Father, I would ask that you would open the eyes of our heart and that we would see the value in having some significant relationships with a few other people in our life that will help us to work out our own salvation, that will help us to fulfill the call of God and the command of God in our own life. And God, I want to go ahead and pray this for us because for some of us, the idea of accountability makes us nervous because we like to live on our own schedule. We like to kind of do our own thing. And we'd rather drive our own car and not be accountable to anyone. But Lord... If we're going to go where you want us to go, if we're going to become what you want us to be, we're just need, we need to have some people with us in our journey through life. And so I pray this morning that you'd open our eyes. I pray that we'd be sensitive and open to what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and what he wants to do for us. And so I trust you to do that. I ask you to do that, Father. And when it's all finished, we'll give you the glory and the honor for it all. For it's in the, it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. Now, for whatever reason, God chose that he would use people. Uh, That's just kind of the way he set this thing up. People are God's chosen instrument for ministry. He chose to use men to bring the gospel uh, to the world. I suppose he could have used angels. Uh, It would probably have been a lot more effective, probably a lot more efficient. He could have simply used miracles. I mean, God has the power. He's all-powerful. All God could do it any way that he chooses or that he chose, but he chose to use people because God loves people, I guess, more. In fact, I know more than anything. And so God has chosen to use people in sharing the gospel message with the world. And when Jesus came, when you study his life, Jesus chose to invest in people. Uh, more than anything else. And so one of the things that God has designed is that as you and I walk through this journey of following Christ, 
in becoming what Christ wants us to be, God has determined that we need other people in our life to help us uh, get to where God wants us to be. And so if we're going to uh, to do that, I mean, that's just kind of the way he works. Relationships help people grow, and they challenge us to grow, and they encourage us to go. I mean, we just, we need relationships. Uh, you may have heard this, but uh, gosh, it happened eight or 900 years ago. Uh, Frederick was the emperor over the Roman Empire, and for whatever reason, he wanted to know what was the, what was the natural language. Was it Latin? Was it Hebrew? Or was it Greek? And uh, very unwisely, he determined that if I isolate a few babies, then they'll speak the natural language. And so he made this decision, and he took this group of babies, and he had some wet nurses sworn to silence. And he just determined that no one was going to speak to these babies. And whatever language they spoke, he would know that's the natural language. And so those nurses swore to secrecy. They went in, they took care of the, ch- the children, but they never spoke a word. And without exception, in a few months, every single child was dead. Why? Because we need relationships. God has designed us. People need relationships in order to grow and to become everything that God wants us to be. So what I want to do this morning is I want to suggest to you uh, four significant relationships that you need in your life. Now, three of them are up close and personal, and the first one that we're going to talk about is not necessarily up close and personal. In fact, that person may not even need to know who you are. But So let me just share these with you, and then I'm going to challenge you to evaluate in your own life. if you have these relationships. So let me just tell you the first one. The, the first relationship that all of us need, there, there needs to be some models in our life for us to admire. There needs to be some models in life for us to admire. There needs to be some models, some people that we look up to. Now, if you have a, a specific, um, maybe there's a hobby that you really enjoy, it's pretty easy you know, maybe uh, to have a hero or uh, a model in, in that arena in life. But let me just start by saying this. Peter wrote in in First Peter 2.21, he said, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then Jesus said in John 13.15, which isn't going to be on your screen, but he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, obviously in the Christian life, the the, the primary, the ultimate model is Jesus. We should admire him. We should mo- we should look to him as our model. We should seek to pattern our life after him. But an interesting thing happened in the New Testament. Uh, shortly, really just a few years after Jesus came along, uh, the Apostle Paul, as you know, was saved and he penned a lot of, in fact, he penned, uh, I think, 13 books at least, maybe even one other but 13 of the books in our New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. And, and in 1 Corinthians 4, he made an interesting statement. And let me just kind of, let's just, just unpack that for just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul said there, beginning, I think it is in verse 15. Paul writes, he says, Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers in Christ Jesus. I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. 
For this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, we could spend some time in this verse, but let me just give you a couple thoughts out of this verse. The first thought would be, Paul realized that if people are going to model and pattern their life after Jesus, they really need to see someone in the flesh that's living out the faith. And so he says, you need to imitate me. And then Paul, in his wisdom, thought, they can imitate me from a distance, but they probably need some models up close. So he sent Timothy into their lives. But did you notice the interesting thing in verse 17? Listen to what he said. Verse 17. He writes there. He says, For this reason I am sending you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Now watch this. Listen to this statement. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere. Now here's what I want you to understand. You need some people in your life to model, that are models for you, whose behavior lives up to their beliefs. That's why we might even use the term hero. There needs to be some people that you look at and that I look at who talk the talk and walk the walk. Now, as a pastor in the ministry, I've had some heroes over years that we are models, you might call them, that I've admired. Uh, People like Adrian Rogers, uh, currently people like David Jeremiah, Johnny Hunt, uh, Rick Warren, Andy Stanley, just some, some folks that there's things about their life, there's things about their ministry that I'd say, you know, I really admire and appreciate what they've done. And so I'm, there's some things about their life that I want to model because they're a pattern that can help shape my life. And, and the beautiful thing about models is you don't have to know them. I mean, the, those guys wouldn't know me if they tripped over me. But they poured into my life because I was able to read their books or listen to their tapes back when they had tapes or listen to them on the, you know, the MP3 or on the radio. And, and so let me just ask you, who is it, who are the models, who are the heroes in your life that are helping you on your spiritual journey. I mean, there need, you ought to be reading some books, uh, you know, listening to some... some, some t- I mean, there just needs to be some people in your life that, that are models for you. And the, the wonderful thing about models is that not only do they not have to be in close proximity, you can find new ones. I mean, you can find new heroes. You can discover people that are, that are maybe doing the things that God's given you a passion to do. And you, you may bump into them or stumble into them and say, you know, this is what I've been thinking about. This is what I've been trying to figure out. But here's somebody that's doing it. They could be a model for me. That happened to me uh, actually this weekend. Wyatt and I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to First Baptist Church in Colleyville Friday and Saturday for a conference called Ignite. It's uh, Time to Ignite. It's a disciple-making conference. It meant some, many of the things that God's been doing in my heart, I got to see uh, modeled out in the life of a pastor in his church. I, you know, I had an opportunity to meet Craig, and, and some of the things that they're doing in terms of making disciples is exactly, man, it is, it is what we've been working toward, and we're able to see fleshed out what we're wanting to do in our life and ministry. 
And it's amazing to see how they're investing in people who in turn are growing up and going and investing in people. And then those people are in turn, I mean, they got spiritual generations reproducing. And the interesting, I mean, it's the most exciting thing. Uh, they're doing some things here in terms of making disciples in Dallas that's bearing fruit in places like Peru and Zambia. I mean, they're partnered with the group in Cuba. I mean, we, we, in fact, I was in a seminar with a, a young man or actually a couple of people from Cuba on Friday. Uh, over the last couple of years, they've had over 6,000 high school students in boarding schools come to faith in Christ across this communist nation of Cuba. And some 1,500 of those students have been discipled in a way that they can go out and, and reproduce. And I was talking to the young man about it yesterday, right as we left. And he said, yeah, he says, you know, sometimes we have to go hide out to be able to invest in these kids. But I'm just thinking, man, the thing that I'm passionate about, I've been able to see. And so here's what I'm saying. You, You need to find some models, some people, some heroes that are doing what you want God to do in your life. You need to be looking at them. You need to be learning from them. And so we all, first relationship we need, we need some people in our life that are models. Now, that can be at a distance. But what I want to speak to you now for the next couple of minutes is I want to speak to you about three other people or three other relationships that you need in your life that are up close. And that makes us nervous a little bit sometimes uh, because a lot of times we like we just kind of like to... You know, I kind of like to be here, and I like to come here, but I don't want anybody real close. But I'm just telling you, if you want to become what God wants you to be, if you're going to be everything that God's designed you to be, you got to be willing to let some people get in your space and help you. So let me tell you three types of relationships. Number one, uh, we'll, I'll use the term mentor. We may not like that term, but we need mentors to kind of assist us, you might use the term, you know, if a, if a model's like a hero, then a mentor's more like a coach. We need somebody to come along and help coach us uh, through the different areas of our life. And I heard this somewhere, I don't know where it was, but it said, you know, we need, we, we need, we need mentors to help us uh, with the roles that we've identified in our life. Uh, we need mentors to to help us with the goals that we've set in our life, or coaches to help us with the goals, and then we need a, a coach to help us with our soul. So for roles, for goals, and for soul, we need somebody to kind of coach us. I mean, think about this. If you're a grandparent, and you've never been a grandparent, and you want to figure out how you can have the very best influence you can have on your grandkids without being overbearing, without be un, being under-involved, well, what better thing to do than to enter into a relationship? You might not call it a mentoring relationship. You might not call it a coaching relationship. But, but just develop a friendship with somebody that's, that's got 50 grandkids. They can help you. In fact, I met a guy yesterday that his, he said his third child was the 70th grandchild. He would be a great guy to mentor us in how to be a grandparent, right? 
He can tell you, here's how to do it, here's how not. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all I'm saying. We just need some people in our life to help. What are, what are the roles in your life? You know, so, you know, maybe you, maybe you decided that you're going to teach Sunday school class for the very first time. Then why would you not want to strike up a relationship with somebody that's been teaching Sunday school for 20 years and are good at it? And so here's what I'm saying. We need some relationships in our lives, some people that can help us fulfill the roles that we have, achieve the goals that we have, and to take care of our soul. We just, we just need some people to help coaches along in the process. That's a biblical model. Paul coached Timothy. Now, Tim, Paul was a, Paul's a lot of people's hero. For a lot of us, we look at Paul and say, yeah, that's who I want to be like. But for Timothy, Paul was a coach. I mean, you read the two letters, First and Second Timothy. I mean, Paul talked about, he talked to Timothy about how to have people skills. He talked to uh, Timothy about how to, how to be effective in his profession. He talked to Timothy about how to worship. He talked to Timothy how, about how to deal with difficult people in his life. He even gave him medical advice. He was involved in it. He, he coached him through life. And so I just want to ask you this morning, who, what relationships do you have in, in your life? Uh, what men or women do you have in your life who are helping coach you, helping lead you and teach you to become all that God wants you to be? See, we need, we need mentors to assist us. We need coaches. Now, I didn't get up and watch it, but this morning at, at 2.30, yeah, at 2.30, uh, there was a tennis tournament in Australia. And uh, my daughter's not in here. She wants to, she recorded it because she don't want to know who wins, but I can say it this morning. And uh, Novak Djokovic won his third straight Australian Open, the first guy in the modern era to win three straight Australian Opens. The guy has won six Grand Slams, dominating. He has a coach. Why would somebody like that have a coach? Because he understands that if he's going to be the best he can be, he needs somebody on the outside that can give him some input and say, Hey, have you thought about doing this? And so I would say to you as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to be the best you can be for Christ, you need somebody in your life to help you with your roles, your goals, and your soul. You need a coach, a mentor, somebody to just come alongside that's further along in the journey to help you. Who is that person? Then there's another, uh, would be the third relationship, the second up close. Not only do we need mentors, but I, I'll use the term um, let me use the term partners because, um, uh, I, in fact, before I go back to that, let, let me just say a word about uh, if you're going to get a coach in your life, if you're going to have somebody in your life, how, do you, how, how would that work? Well, there's kind of two things that I think you, if, if you got somebody that you call them a mentor, you call them a coach, uh, however you look at, uh, how would they influence your life? Well, there's, there's kind of two areas. Number one is uh, if you got somebody like that in your life, you need to learn how to ask questions. Uh, there needs to be some people that you can ask questions to, whether you, you may want to know how do you deal with stress or, or how do you manage your time or, or how, do you, how, how do you help a grandchild when the family is not walking with Christ. 
Some of you, you've got that issue in your life. You've got grandbabies. You, some of you, you've got great-grandbabies. Mom and dad aren't walking with Jesus. And you want to know how you can make a difference in their life. Well, you need to look around and find somebody that's gone through that. And when you find them, you need to be able to ask them. You need to be willing to ask some questions. An interesting verse, uh, Proverbs 20. If you're still in Proverbs, go to 20 verse 5. I always had the hardest time finding this verse, but it's, it's profound. Listen to Proverbs 20 uh, verse 5. It says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Now, how... How would we draw out wisdom from someone? How would you do that? Ask questions. You ask some questions. I mean, who wouldn't want to, what grandparent wouldn't want to talk about how they've been able to make an influence on their grandbaby, even though mom and dad aren't walking with Christ? They'd love to talk about that. See, we, we, we need to get people in our life. We can ask some questions. What are, what are some of the great lessons you've learned? You know, since you've retired, how, how have you juggled things to make sure that, that, that you've been faithful to Christ? You know, you just need some people in your life. I need some people in my life that we can ask questions of. We call them coaches or mentors. Maybe another thing that we need to be willing to do and that is when you get somebody like that in our life or your life or I get them in my life we need to be willing to accept feedback look if you're still in Proverbs I know this is meddling a little bit but listen to chapter 25 listen to verse 12 it says like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear uh, can I just translate that for you? When we accept feedback from someone, it's like money. It's money. Because somebody on the outside can look into our life. They don't have an agenda. And they can say, listen, let, let me just encourage you in this way. And so if you got somebody like that in your life, be willing to accept some feedback. Be willing to ask some questions. So we, so we need these, this mentor, this coach in our life uh, to, uh, to advise us. And then there's a third, there's a, again, let me get to that third area. And that is, um, I, I'm, I, I could use the word friend, but I want to use the word partner because I think there's a little bit of, a little bit of a different nuance. We need, we need partners and we need people in our life that are, they're kind of partner with us. They're, they're not, um, they're, they're like peers. Not so much someone that we're looking up to to learn from, but someone that we're hanging with uh, to, to kind of do life with. If you're there, go over to Ecclesiastes. Popular, you know the verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But let me just share a couple thoughts out of Ecclesiastes 4. We'll pick up in verse 9. Uh, just listen. It says, two are better. Verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than their one. Now, why is that? Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. 
a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I would say, you know, the, you, the, number three is who's? It's God in our life. But you need, you need some, and I need, we need a partner. We need people in our life or a close friend, we might say, that we can do life together with. That we can be upfront and honest with one another. The, the, the interesting thing happened uh, a week ago yesterday. Uh, the girls and I—I I think that's right—we we debated the the grammar. It's not me and the girls. I think it's the girls and I. But anyway, my two daughters, my wife, and I went to Rymer Ranch, which is up by you guys' house, up by Hamilton Pool Road. And we're not there to ride our bike. And then we thought, well, we'll go hiking. And I did not realize this until I got there. But they have they have some canyons. And they do rock climbing over there in the canyons. And so we decided we'd, we'd, we'd rode our bike. It was pretty one out. We thought, well, let's just go down in this canyon. So we go down in this canyon. And, man, these, I mean, you see these people carrying the ropes and stuff. And sure enough, they are down there. They are rock climbing. And they're climbing up the cliffs. And then we got down to the bottom and we got in this one place. And there's this one place. It's almost like a cave because you walk under there in about, probably about, 15 feet up here, there's this ceiling. And there's this dude hanging from the ceiling. I mean, he ain't climbing up the, the cliff. He's, he's climbing over there. Do you know, what I, you know what's interesting about that? Do you know what all of those guys have? They all have a partner. And that partner has a rope. And if they slip, and if they fall, he's there to catch them. And it's really interesting because um, I suspect they wouldn't just let anybody hold the rope. Would you let anybody hold the rope? I, I wouldn't let just anybody hold the rope because, man, my life, my success is in their hand. If I stumble, I want them to catch me. And so you need, here's what I'm saying. There needs to be a, some people in your life, one or two, three people in your life, that, that they're partners with you, that they, they do life with you. They can hold the rope for you if you stumble and fall. Now let me give you about four characteristics of this person. We'll just, you know... Uh, you need to pick the best person you can, you can pick to be that. And let me give you some, let me just tell you what best stands for. Uh, number one, you need to pick somebody that believes in you. Then, then E, you need to pick somebody that, that encourages you. Imagine if you're hanging upside down on that cliff or on the ceiling of this cave and your partner that you've chosen to hold the rope says, hey man, you're gonna fall. <laughs> you're gonna fall. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody that, that, that can say, hey man, you're, you're about there. You're gonna make, you need somebody to encourage you. And that's the same true in your spiritual life. You don't want to surround, you, you don't want your closest people to be negative, critical people that are telling you, you're gonna blow it. You, you want people close to you that are gonna encourage you. So, so, the E is for encouragement. Uh, the S is for support. You, you need people that are going to support you. That's why the guy holds a rope. 
for support, for advice, to throw them another whatever they put in the side of, whatever they clip onto those rocks, whatever you call those things. You need somebody that will support you. They can say, hey, man, you need to, you know, you're struggling through something. Hey, you need to check out this word in 1 Corinthians or whatever. But you need, that's what they need to be. And, and so the, the B stands for they believe in you. E, they encourage you. S, they support you. And T, uh, I could use trust, but I got a better word. You need somebody that will be true to you. And what I mean by that is, is you need somebody close to you that will speak truth to you. That if you're going down the wrong road, they'll say, hey, man, you're about to mess up. You need to stop. So who is it in your life? I mean, who's in your spiritual life that has permission to come to you and say, wait a minute, man, you're walking down the wrong path. You need this. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. Who's that in your life? Because I'm telling you, if, I, if I'm climbing the rock and I got somebody holding the rope and I'm in, the, in one of those little islets is about to come out, I don't want them to say, oh, man, you're fine, you're good, go ahead. I want somebody to say, wait a minute, man, you're about to make the wrong step. You need to stop. And in your spiritual life and in my spiritual life, there needs to be a few people that are they're, they're the best kind to have. They... They believe in us, they encourage us, they support us, but they'll speak truth to us. They say, hey, wait a minute, man, you're dabbling in sin and you need to stop. So who is it that can get in your face and say, you're messing up? See, a lot of us don't want anybody like that. Right? A lot of us, well, I, you know. But if you're going to be everything God wants you to be, you need to let some people get inside of your circle and help you work out your own salvation and become who God wants you to be. And then there's one other relationship quickly that I want us to get to. We need models to admire. We need mentors or coaches that will assist us. We need, we need um, uh, our coaches, I guess, really to advise us. And we need partners to assist us. And then last of all, um, we need disciples to succeed us. I really struggled with the word. What do we, we need, we need disciples to follow after us. Now you might be thinking, I'm not really sure I want somebody following after me. I'm not sure that anybody should follow after me. If that's the way you feel, you ought to change the direction you're going. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you ought to be able to say to somebody, like Paul said to Timothy, come follow me. Because that's what this whole discipleship thing is. And by the way, there's not a, there's no dichotomy between a Christian and a disciple. Jesus made no distinction. Did you get that? Jesus made no distinction. If you are a Christ follower, you are a disciple. And if you are a disciple, you should have some people. You should be pouring into your life, pouring into some people that are following. Remember what Jesus said in, um, in, in Matthew 4. Uh, Jesus calls out Simon and Andrew and he says, come follow me. And I'll make you to be fishers of men. 
And then he went a little further, and there were John and James. He said, hey, guys, y'all come follow me. So my question is, who, who have you invited to follow you and succeed you in ministry? Who's following you to heaven? I mean, who is it? Who are you pouring into that you're making an influence in their life? See, let, let's go quickly, let's go to John 15 because there, it's interesting. And, and uh, I'm just going to read the uh, like seven verses and then I'll share a thought and, and we'll be done. John 15, just listen to Jesus on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, this, is, this, this whole thing's happening kind of in context. You, you know, he's talked about obedience. He's talked about loving God with all his heart. Uh, they pick up where they're going. They're leaving there. They're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane so they can pray. And then ultimately he can be betrayed. He knew his hour had come. And he says, and he kind of jumps in this conversation. He says, I'm the true vine and my father's the gardener. Um, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now look at this next statement. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then verse 16 says it this way. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. I don't know if you picked up on this conversation that Jesus was having but he's pretty serious about his followers bearing fruit. In fact, he says, by your fruitfulness, they will know you are my disciples. And so who is it that's following you in their journey of becoming like Christ? Who is that? Who are you pouring into to help them become what Jesus wants them to be? Jesus expects us to have some models. He expects us, him being the number one. He expects us to have some people in our life coaching us, discipling us, if you will. He expects us to have some people in our life being, helping us be accountable but he expects us to have some people in our life whom we're pouring into that are going to follow us into the kingdom. I mean, imagine the day when you stand before God and imagine the day when I stand before God and it's talked about in Scripture. I mean, over and over Jesus talks about there's going to be a day when we stand not in judgment for our sin, but there's going to be a day when we stand accountable for our life. And when we stand there, accountable to the Lord Jesus for our life, who's going to be there because you poured into their life? 
who's that going to be? Do you have any names? I mean, I've got a few. We had a guy share with us yesterday. He had 189 names that they could text him or call him at a moment's notice that he's poured his life into on continents. He's kind of a hero. He's, he's a model to admire. But I mean, just from a practical standpoint, who is it? Because see, you don't want to stand before God empty-handed. I, I don't. When I stand before Jesus, I want somebody to be there with me. Uh, that I can say, God, these are this is my fruit. This is Norman, or this is whoever. But I'm just asking you, who's going to be there because you decided that you made a decision that you're going to pour your life in to the next generation. Now, a lot of us, it intimidates us to think about that, but, but, but think about this concept. If, if you're not pouring your life into someone, if there's no one that's following you, if you don't have a disciple that you're investing in, everything God's done in your life stops with you. Everything that God's poured into your life, the people that have cared about you and loved you and invested in you and made a difference for you, if, if you're not sharing that with somebody else, then everything God's done in you stops with you. And so Jesus said, where's your fruit? If you remain in me, there's going to be fruit. If you're a disciple, there's going to be fruit. And so I would just, I want to challenge you today to examine your life and ask, and just ask, okay, who's, who's coaching me in the journey? Who's partnering with me? Who is it that can say to me, Mike, you're messing up, man. You need to, you need to get with it. Who's that for you? Who's, who's the disciple that, who's following you that you're pouring into? Because it's interesting because if there's no one, if, if, if we're not, if we don't have people following us, they don't have people mentoring them. So if this thing's going to work, we've got to all do our part. And so my challenge, my time's gone, but my challenge for you is to do a heart-to-heart and ask the question, okay, who's helping me work out my salvation? What relationships are in my life? Who's coaching me, helping me, mentoring me? Who's partnering with me and who's following me on the journey to the kingdom? Because one day, one day, you and I are going to stand in His presence. And He's not looking for money. He's not looking for fame. He's looking for fruit. Paul said in, in 1 Timothy 2, 19, about the Thessalonians, he said, When I stand before God, you people are my joy. And my crown.
who's going to be yours. Let's pray together. Father, I I understand that, um, God, when we talk about getting people in our circle, we talk about relationships. Some of us, for a long time, have just, we've thought, you know, you live life at a distance, and, and we don't want people close. But, Father, when I read the Scriptures, Jesus had people close. I mean, he had those, those disciples, and they were close. God, when I, when I look at Paul, Paul had people close. In fact, when you read the New Testament, I only know of one time after Paul's conversion that he was ever by himself. I mean, once Barnabas went and got him and took him to Antioch, he was never alone except when he got run out of Berea on the way to Athens. And Luke could have been with him because he wrote about it. But he always had somebody with him. He had somebody in his life helping him be accountable, helping him, helping him on the journey, you know, confronting him, you know, and talking about the difficult things. And, and so, God, we need people in our life. We need people in our life helping us. And then, God, there needs to be people that we're pouring into. And so I would just, I would just say today to, to all of us that, that we should, I mean, it's a new year. It's, a, it's a kind of a new start. We ought to sit down this week and, and kind of ask ourselves the question, okay, who's, who's that in my life? Who's that in my life? Father, obviously, the primary relationship is, is the one we have with you. And if we're going to be on this spiritual journey, then we've got to have a relationship with you. And God, it could be that someone here this morning has never given their heart to Jesus. That's the first relationship. More than they need a coach, more than they need a partner, more than they need a follower, they need a Savior. And there's only one of those. And his name is Jesus. And for the man or woman here that's never surrendered their life to Christ, my prayer and my desire and my hope is that today they would pray and ask Jesus to come be in their life. That they would pray and decide today they want Jesus to come be in their life and to be their Lord and Savior. God, I would just, I just pray that over these, just over the next couple days, that we would search our hearts and search our souls. And we will honor you and give you the glory for all that you do. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, our invitation is going to be a little different. We're not going to do an altar call. Um, The invitation is for you to go home. And to sit down today, preferably tonight, if not there tonight, this week, and look at your life and decide who's, who's modeling the Christian life for me? Who are my heroes? Who, who's helping me? Who's coaching me? Who's partnered with me? And who am I investing in? That's, that's the assignment. Now, if, if you're here and you realize, you, you know, you don't even have a Savior, much less any of the other ones, I'd love to talk with you. I'm going to be right here after the service. I'd love to talk with you. 
If you have questions about the message, I'll be here. I would love to talk with you. If you came today and you're, you were just intent that you wanted to join the church or that you wanted to get baptized today uh, or, or come for baptism, become a candidate for baptism, I'll be here. I'd love to talk with you after the service. You're, you're free to come. But our invitation is for you this week to search your heart and to search your life and find out who those relationships are. And if you don't have them, why not find them? And if you need help with that, uh, I'd love to chat with you and talk with you about that. So uh, that's the invitation. Again, if you have a spiritual need that's immediate, I'll be here at the front. would love to pray with you. Uh, Have a great day. Enjoy your Bible study. Do your homework. And uh, we'll talk next Sunday. We'll see you then. Have a great day.